Hey, it's Alahe. I just wanted to drop a quick note to say hello and also introduce you to an amazing new guest host you'll hear over the next couple of weeks. Her name is Rhonda Colvin, and she usually anchors the Post's video reporting from Congress. I'm so excited to welcome her to the show, hear her questions and the stories that she's interested in chasing. And you'll still hear from me and our other great colleagues. Okay, here's the show. The sky right now, to say the least, looks dystopian. That's Amdalet Ajasa. She's a weather reporter for The Post. She's talking about the hazy, orange-yellow sky that has been looming over the East Coast these past few days and is now heading toward the Midwest. I spoke to some sources in upstate New York who said it looked like they woke up on Mars. One source even said it looked like doomsday outside. It looks like doomsday because for the past few weeks, hundreds of wildfires have been burning through the Canadian forests. Smoky conditions caused by wildfires in Canada triggering a code red alert for the entire Delaware Valley. New York City topping the list of cities with the worst air quality in the world for a bit. And the White House says that more than 600 federal firefighters have been deployed to Canada. While the United States has grown used to increasingly devastating wildfires ravaging the West Coast, the effects of wildfires reaching the other side of the country is new. And it's not something that, you know, we're really accustomed to on the East Coast dealing with wildfire smoke, but it's something that it looks like we might have to start getting used to. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Rhonda Colvin, your guest host. It's Thursday, June 8th. Today, people along the East Coast and parts of the Midwest are experiencing some of the worst air quality in years because of wildfires in Canada. I'll talk to Amdalet about the current state of the wildfires, how the smoke can affect your health, and who is at increased risk during this moment. In the past two weeks, there have been over 400 wildfires in Canada, nearly 250 of which that are still uncontrolled, which means they are dispersing a lot of fine particulate matter into the air. And then on top of that, it's burning a lot of ground. I, I, I saw some, some readings that said about 8.2 million acres of land have been burned, according to officials there. It seems like there's some trouble getting it contained. Are wildfires in Canada common? We hear a lot about wildfires in the West Coast, like California, but I don't often hear as much about Canadian wildfires. I don't think you hear as much about Canadian wildfires because they aren't normally this bad. Wildfires in Canada aren't necessarily uncommon, but the amount of wildfires that are burning, uh, how, how much damage it's causing, and the amount of smoke that we're seeing drift down the Northeast Corridor is what's unprecedented. So a lot of us on the East Coast are noticing this wildfire smoke, and we're hearing these alerts for measuring how bad the air quality is, like code red, code yellow. Can you help us make sense of these alerts? Yeah, so the difference is the severity and impact on people. When it's green, which is below 50, that means the air quality is good. When it's 51 to 100, that means the air quality is moderate, that's yellow. When it is 101 to 50, that means the air quality is unhealthy for sensitive groups. 
And once you get above 150, the air quality is unhealthy for everyone. And depending on how severe it gets, um, it just kind of heightens the risk for everyone. And how bad is the air quality on the East Coast right now? It's not good. I I spoke with Paul Billings at the American Lung Association, who's worked with air pollution for 30 years, who said that he's never seen anything like this. We have not experienced these kinds of levels in the East. And the reason is climate change. We're seeing the impacts of climate change and the air quality um, that we're experiencing today. Yeah, depending on where you are, the air quality ranges from unhealthy for certain groups to really hazardous for everyone. Um, People in D.C. and Baltimore woke up to some of the worst air quality in years. Um, In Philadelphia, they're experiencing some of the worst air quality that they've seen in more than two decades. On Wednesday in upstate New York, we saw the air quality index readings of 460, which to put in context, it's out of 500. So that's that's really high up the scale. um, And it's really extreme. And that's something Paul Billings is concerned about. You don't want to uh, inhale the byproducts of combustion, whether it's from a cigarette, a wildfire, a diesel truck, or a coal-fired power plant. All of these uh, sources can create uh, pollution that harms the lungs. The levels we're seeing can really pose uh, immediate threats to health. Short-term effects include irritation for your nose, your eyes, your throat. Fine particulate matters are so tiny that when inhaled, they go through your lungs and can enter the bloodstream. Um, They can cause cardiovascular impacts, especially in the long term. We're talking about heart attacks and strokes. Long-term exposure can lead to lung cancer. Uh, One of my sources even talked about premature death. So it's very harmful on the body. And again, I think you kind of see that with the experts suggesting not to be outside at all. And are there any groups that are, are more vulnerable to wildfire smoke than others? Certain groups are more vulnerable to wildfire smoke than others. Sensitive groups, so people that have pre-existing conditions, especially respiratory issues um, like asthma, older people with COPD or just other kind of underlying issues are also at risk. And, and children as well, you know, lung capacity is different and your lungs are still kind of developing when you're a child. I talked to one expert from the American Lung Association who talked about pregnant women also being at risk. What can people do to protect themselves from breathing in the smoke? Many experts that I've spoken with have really encouraged people to make sure that they're checking the air quality index reports, knowing what that means, you know, use that to best protect themselves. Exercising outside really is not good during this time, um, especially when experts are suggesting people stay inside just in general. And um, wearing sophisticated masks, masks like KN95s and N95s that can really help filter the particles, not just regular masks, but masks that are geared towards filtering some of this fine particulate matter if you do have to go outside. Some simple things that people can do to protect themselves are, while it sucks, staying inside, um, turning off your AC. I know it's hot outside, but ACs can kind of bring in and concentrate some of those um, fine air particulates. So turning off your AC, shutting your windows, and kind of containing yourself indoors so that you're not exposing yourself to the elements outside. 
So let's shift to some of the policy implications of this, if there will be any. I know that some people are required to work outside for their jobs, and I've noticed around here in D.C., construction work is still happening. What are the rules for protecting people who can't stay inside? There are a lot of questions about this, and I think it's really important. A lot of people don't have the luxury to be able to stay inside and shelter in place when air quality is really low like this. So you think about construction workers, uh, people in delivery, farm workers. They're still outside, and they're still doing physical labor, especially when experts told us not to be exercising outside because that increases inhaling more of these fine particulate matters. So, um It's important, and there are federal rules that require employers to provide masks once the air quality index hits certain levels, but those rules are really hard to enforce. I mean, I didn't see any construction workers wearing masks yesterday, Um, uh, and employers might not provide the masks or that type of protective gear, so then the, the burden is on people to bring their own. And I, I feel like a lot of workers might feel pressure from their boss or just financial pressure to keep working during low moments of low air quality because they can't afford to take off because the air is too harsh for them to work in. Uh, We know along the West Coast especially that there is a push to tighten regulations at the state and federal level to better protect workers. Um, It'll be interesting to see if there is more movement on the regulatory front now that wildfire smoke is affecting more people in the country and, you know, the lawmakers here in Washington, D.C., After the break, we talk about how climate change is exacerbating wildfires all across North America and how you can prepare for future wildfires. We'll be right back. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn criminal trials for one of those candidates, young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Let's zoom out a little bit and talk about the state of wildfires in North America. We pretty predictably see them on the West Coast every year at this point. Are they getting more prevalent? Climate change is exacerbating a lot of the systems that are already in place, but also forcing people who don't necessarily always experience certain systems, they're now going to be forced to deal with things that they never had to deal with before. I was talking to one of my sources today in Syracuse, and she was like, I wasn't able to prepare for this wildfire smoke because I didn't know how to. That's not something that we've ever had to deal with here. So basically, due to climate change, everybody's going to have to deal with these issues now. It's not going to be a localized thing. And the smoke from these fires that may not happen in your region, they're going to cross these borders and they're going to impact you. What's the guidance on preparing for wildfires? Is there anything people can do to be more ready for what seems like inevitable fires at this point? Some of my colleagues have written about the best ways to prepare, and one of them is to know how to get away. So creating an emergency plan is pretty important. 
making sure you know the safest routes to leave from your home. Um, If you're going to meet your family places or your loved ones, making sure that you have a central location that you know that you can meet them at um, and making sure that you have all of your important documents as well. You know, sometimes wildfires happen at the flip of a hat and sometimes, you know, they're kind of burning for a while. So having an emergency kit with um, supplies that can last up to 72 hours is really important. In the reporting, they talked about the government recommending that people living in these potential risk areas, which seem to be expanding, um, remove anything that can become tinder for these wildfires um, and making sure that their fire alarms are working and that um, if they do have access to sprinklers, that those are able to be activated. Again, if you live in areas that you know are privy to wildfires, making sure that your car has enough fuel to make these evacuation plans work. And if it's safe to do so, making sure that you close all of your doors and windows and cover any vents or windows inside your home, you know, just to make sure that you're not breathing in that smoke. I'm Delant. When I'm not filling in on Post Reports, I cover Congress. And I was on the Hill earlier today, and I noticed you can't make out the Capitol building when you're standing and looking out the window from other buildings. So it makes you wonder, how might this affect lawmakers thinking on the issue of climate change if they are witnessing firsthand effects? I think climate experts and people that study air pollution are wondering the same thing. What's clear is that climate change is impacting everyone. Um, One of my sources told me that the last time air quality was this bad, the Clean Air Act was passed. Uh, Whether this spurs lawmakers to take action kind of remains to be seen, though. When we're talking about air quality and how long this will last, do you have any idea of how long will these advisories last? Will the, the areas that are considered in code red or code yellow, how long should people be concerned and checking up on, on the air quality where they live? It's sad to say this, but meteorologists aren't necessarily sure right now how long this is going to last. It really just depends on wind patterns, where the smoke will be pushed, and how how long it takes to get these wildfires under control. Because if you can't get the wildfires under control, the source of the smoke and pollution, um, you know, people are going to kind of continue to face these impacts. And again, it's up to Mother Nature to see where the wind pushes the smoke. And right now it seems like we're still getting the brunt of it. Amdalit, thank you. Thanks for having me here, Rhonda. Amdalit Ajasa covers weather for The Post. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's episode was produced by Ariel Plotnik and edited by Monica Campbell. It was mixed by Sean Carter. I'm Rhonda Colvin. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post.